welcome to Misunderstood, a podcast dedicated to better understanding MS and learning to live well with MS. I'm your host, Katie Sloan. Our usual reminders as we begin. First, I am not an expert. I'm just a person like you, living with MS and trying to make the best of it. Misunderstood is based on my personal experience, what I've learned from my doctors, other care providers, and my own solutions-oriented research and pattern-finding obsession. While the majority of the information I share has been vetted by doctors, I am not a doctor, and my intention is that you use the information shared here as a springboard for discussion between you and your doctor regarding your future care options. And lastly, MS impacts each of us uniquely. I hope to shine a light on a wide range of approaches and strategies for living better with MS. But what you choose to do with that information is always your choice. And what works for one may not work for all. In our previous episode, I shared an overview of some of the most important and relevant for us learnings from the Institute of Functional Medicine, IFM, annual conference, which I attended virtually with Dr. Susan last month. I hope you found the information useful in your own journey towards health and that it had positive impacts on your sleep and efforts to promote a healthier gut microbiome. Today, we are honored to have Dr. Susan back with us, this time to talk about the healing power of intention, education, and community. We'll talk about mindset, belief, self-compassion, the healing process, alternative therapies for MS, and the importance of community. While we've talked about a lot of these elements of healing before, this time we'll each share how we utilize these tenets of self-care to support and accelerate our own healing, as well as share the struggles we faced along the way. For my gratitude this episode, I'm grateful for an email I serendipitously received just after Dr. Susan and I recorded our discussion for this episode. The email was from Whole Tones, which is a company I've supported since way back before we had digital music. Whole Tones was created to heal the world through music. They offer an effective line of frequency-based therapeutic music that has been clinically proven to improve sleep, relieve stress, calm and soothe our pets, and to help us gain more energy to combat fatigue. Check them out if you're interested. This particular email communication from Whole Tones was about mindset, and it looks at mindset a little differently than most sources. And since I firmly believe in the power of looking at a concept from many different perspectives, I wanted to share their perspective here. In my forthcoming conversation with Dr. Susan, we mentioned Carol Dweck, who is largely seen as the expert regarding mindset and who compares a fixed mindset with a flexible or growth mindset. So I believe this different way to look at mindset is helpful, especially when thinking about behavior change and finding our way from illness to wellness. Rather than thinking about a fixed mindset, we can also call it an obligation mindset. Rather than a flexible or growth mindset, we can also call it an opportunity mindset. Let's dig deeper to see why this matters and why it is such a helpful way for us as people seeking to live well with MS to think about mindset development. First, the obligation mindset is born out of necessity. 
It's when we look at a task as something we are forced to do, as if we have to do it, and not because we see the value of doing it. It's a necessary evil to get from point A to point B. When we try to work towards better health with a mindset of obligation, we attach dread to the process. We find it more difficult to appreciate incremental progress, and we don't look forward to what we're doing. This can negatively impact our mood because we are focused on feeling forced to do things we don't want to do. There is a complete void of joy. And with an obligation mindset, even when we are productive, we end up feeling fatigued because our motivation comes from a negative place with layers of built-in resistance. This may manifest as thoughts like, you mean I have to eat this way for the rest of my life? I hate all these fresh veggies. Or, so I can't ever have a social life because I need to be in bed before 10, but I'm a certified night owl. In contrast, let's look at what it's like when we approach the illness to wellness journey with an opportunity mindset. An opportunity mindset is a mental perspective that is manifested through our focused vision of how we'd like our future selves and life to be. So when we approach our wellness journey with an opportunity mindset, the stepping stones along the path are the same, but the way we look at them and feel about them differs. We see our to-do list as opportunities for change rather than monotonous tasks that are getting in the way of other things we want to do. Our motivation is fueled by how we envision our future lives as healthier individuals, acknowledging it will take aligned action to get there. No one is forcing us to change. But when we move with a sense of purpose and energy that was previously non-existent, we will think thoughts like, I have an opportunity to slow my MS progression through the choices I choose to make. Or, wow, my body really works better when I eat all these yummy veggies as fuel. I'm going to keep doing this. When we are able to make this mental shift, we are much more inclined to do whatever it takes to get ourselves there. Because we know without a doubt that it will have positive impacts on our lives and the lives of our loved ones. In thinking with an opportunity mindset, we create positive motivation that invigorates us and propels us forward faster. We each have a choice when thinking about how we'd like to approach our health journey, and we, and only we, can make that choice for ourselves. Know that even when we dedicate ourselves to living with an opportunity mindset, it takes ongoing effort to stay there. As we learned in episode 54 of Deep Listening, due to our brain's natural tendency to fall back into historical negative thought patterns, reflecting in an ongoing basis is important to monitor which thought pathways we are utilizing. When we start to lose momentum or feel a sense of dread when approaching our wellness routines, we have the choice to make the decision to shift our thinking to a place of opportunity. And remember, every day, every moment, and every decision we make is a chance to start anew. It's standard practice to have goals at work. It's important to have them in our personal lives too, and especially on our wellness journeys. When we keep our eye on the prize, in this case, minimizing our symptoms so that MS remains just a small part of who we are and how we live our lives, can help us remain oriented toward wellness. 
My wish for us all today is that as we listen to Dr. Susan talk about mindset and the healing process, we each listen for additional personal opportunities to heal and that we truly see these as opportunities and not obligations. It's our choice, how we spend our time, what we put in, on, and allow around our bodies, and how we regularly reduce life's stressors. And these opportunities, when traversed in ways that support health, will ultimately lead to long-term health benefits. Without further ado, let's listen in on our conversation. Hello, Susan. Welcome. It is so good to have you back. Thank you for being here. Oh, I always love coming back to talk to you, Katie. Great. Well, I'm so excited today because we're going to be talking about, I think, one of the most important things for our community to talk about, and that is the healing power of intention, education, and community. And when we started talking about these three things, we just, we couldn't stop. Like, this is such a huge part of our story and our healing, our journey from illness to wellness that uh, we just thought it was so important to share with everyone today. So I, I'm just so grateful for you. And let's dive right in and let's just start talking about mindset and belief. Absolutely. If you can get the mindset piece dialed in, you will go so far. And I think this is one of the most impactful things you can work on because mindset determines how we approach everything. And um, it's really um, a testament to our body's ability to heal itself when we put our intention or our mindset in that space and really believe that that's where we're going to head. I mean, there's so much evidence that um, our bodies are programmed to cre create health but we have to create the right conditions. And so much of what many of us do may actually be counterproductive. And I do it too. You know, I, I know you and I share about the things that we could change that we're working on, but it's really trying to figure out how to get into that headspace where you have a healing mindset. Excellent. I could not agree more. And before we go further, I just want to give people a brief overview of mindset, even though longtime listeners know this already. Uh, Carol Dweck is largely recognized in the educational world as the expert. And in fact, her book, Mindset, is incredible, and I highly recommend it for everyone. Uh, basically, there are two types of mindsets. You can have a fixed mindset or a growth or flexible mindset. And if you have a fixed mindset, that is exemplified by things like it's static, um, it's stuck. You might feel things are too hard or it won't work for me. Um, you might also have a desire to look smart. So you might have a tendency to avoid challenges or give up easily when you're faced with challenges. Uh, on the other side, if you have this growth or flexible mindset, you have the feeling of I can learn, it's possible. I have a desire to learn, to embrace challenges, and I view failures as learning opportunities, and I really persist in the face of setbacks. So these are two very different ways uh, that our mind can work. And what you're talking about, Susan, is just having people develop that growth or flexible mindset so that they have the ability to heal. I'm really excited to hear your thoughts about flexible mindset and how that impacts the ability to become well. So what I love about this idea of these two different types of mindsets is that you can actually learn 
to have a growth mindset. And this is really key, right? We can learn to do the things that are going to improve our health. And I have to say, what you know, having gotten into this area of integrative functional medicine, one of the best parts about it is that it attracts people who have a growth mindset. Some of them come in with very limited English, but they are wanting to learn everything and anything that's there. Um, people are asking very complex questions sometimes about scientific concepts that maybe a layperson wouldn't really think about, but. I have the privilege of meeting people both through my clinical practice at Stanford and through our online wellness program, True Medicine. We get to meet people with growth mindsets. And sometimes people come in and they're a little bit, um, you know, not quite there yet. But when we kind of get together in a group of people that have a growth mindset, they end up lifting everybody up. So it's it's really wonderful. And it's so key to um, think about whether or not you do have a fixed or a growth mindset because that will help you get so far. Love that. And you know, it's quite possible for people to have growth or fixed mindsets in different areas of their lives too. And so it's not that your brain is just one way, but when you're approaching health, are you approaching it with that fixed or that growth mindset? So that is beautiful. I also love how you mentioned, you know, that, that people positively impact others because I firmly believe that a rising tide lifts all boats. And so I imagine as an integrative medicine, you know, you're not the first person people are trying to see. Right? I'm often the last person they're trying right. to see. And so you're finding that you're getting people who are just, you know, unfortunately frustrated and really just determined to seek solutions. So can you, before we get too far, share a little bit about the science behind our body's actual natural ability to heal? Yeah, so, you know, I always talk to my patients about our bodies are formed from an egg and a sperm that contain all the genetic material needed to build a human being in nine months. I mean, if you can just zoom out and think about how magnificent that is, it's just awe-inspiring, right? And those two cells come together uh, and they replicate and all of the repair machinery is contained within the genes, DNA containing those two cells. So as we um, double our cells and keep growing our cells to form new organs. And as we become, you know, fully formed, we have to keep repairing things. Um, the machinery is there, right? I mean, that's amazing. We don't have machinery that intentionally goes and puts in the wrong base pairs in the DNA. We have machinery that goes and puts the right base pairs in the DNA. So that's at the molecular level where I can try to explain how the body is programmed to create health. And then another um, example that it, everybody's familiar with, you get a cut. Let's say you get a paper cut. Well, there might be a little blood and then it might be some redness and pain and inflammation there. And that's your body's um, signal to your immune system to come and heal this area that's been injured right? We don't have random areas of our body where, you know, we generally attack um, and cause more injury. Now, autoimmunity is one example where that sort of goes awry, but there are things we can do to kind of give our bodies the environment to keep doing that work of healing, to make the immune system push things in the right direction away from autoimmunity. And there's a lot of checks and balances, for example, built into a system like the immune system. 
there are cytokines, which are chemical messengers used by the immune system to communicate with the rest of the body. And some of these cytokines increase inflammation. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. When you have a cut or an injury, you need to heal it. So you need inflammation to do that. But then there are anti-inflammatory cytokines that help bring things back to baseline, back to you know equilibrium. And so you're constantly um, you know trying to solve for disturbances. You know you create inflammation, and then once that disturbance is gone, inflammation needs to come down. And the same thing with hormones. You know a lot of times people go, well, my hormones are you know, out of balance. Well, okay, well, let's talk about why your hormones are out of balance because oftentimes hormones do that because they're trying to compensate for a stress on the body. Maybe you're an Olympic athlete, right? And your um, HPA axis is gonna shut down because there's too much stress on the body and there's no way that this body could maintain a pregnancy, for example. So your body's gonna always try to figure out how to protect you right? These mechanisms are there for repair and protection and to make sure we survive. And we have to believe that that's true because I just gave you several examples. That is, that just fills me too with so much hope. You know, it's so easy to think that I have to come up with the ideas. It's my brain that's going to help me solve this puzzle of finding my way to healing. And it's just so beautiful to realize that, no, my body is already doing that. Who am I to think that my body doesn't know what it's supposed to do. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. I love that too. I mean, all of this healing happens in the background without your conscious involvement. What you do have to do is to provide the conditions, right? Like put in the good food, give yourself rest and sleep, um, you know, manage stress and the best that you can. So the things that we talk about all the time, just, just those acts are going to provide those conditions for healing. Beautiful. Let's now segue into something that's related and it's an important piece of mindset. And this is a phrase we talk about often, permission to heal. Talk to us about that. You know, when I first stumbled upon that phrase, it stopped me in my tracks where it was like, what? Permission to heal? What does that even mean? But then I realized that sometimes or often, People who have autoimmunity and MS are people that are often caretakers of all. They do everything and they are everything to everybody else and their own needs come last. This is perceived as a chronic stress by your body where you're running and doing and not really filling up your own gas tank, right? Um, so something I think a lot about is, you know, when, when I'm working with patients, is if I see that behavior, um, I stop and I say, you know, it is perfectly fine for you to do self-care. You have permission to heal. In fact, it is the work you must do if you are to be able to continue taking care of your family or doing the work that you'd like to do in this world. And um, it's, I think it's really powerful when it comes from someone who is a witness to their health struggles and who is a witness to their difficulty in prioritizing self-care because i as a physician can say i see you i can see that this is hard but you also have permission to work on your own health um it, it's it, when you can reframe things for someone it's really a game changer 
And as I thought through this concept myself, I had to think about, well, do I give myself permission to change? Am I going to stop feeling guilty for taking an afternoon nap or not running around like crazy all the time or saying no to things that people ask me? Well, and how beautiful that you have this unique lens as a physician living with this condition of the population you serve because you know what it is like, right? And I just think so many of our neurologists and other caregivers just don't have that uh, deep personal level of understanding that you do. And it's, it's, you are such a gift to our community. Thank you so much for all you do. Yeah. And you know, I, I always, I also want to back up with what you said with, we can't expect someone who doesn't have MS to understand MS like we do. Just like I don't understand cancer like a cancer patient. I've just never been in those shoes. I've never had those emotions go through me. And this is the same reason why we can have our support networks of friends and family, but that doesn't replace a community of people that are also living with MS and doing their best to develop their growth mindset and to get on that path to healing and to you know give themselves permission to heal. Can you share with us a couple of personal anecdotes of, of examples of where you've given yourself permission to heal? I just had a recent little breakdown where life was just too busy. Uh, I had family visiting. I badly wanted to spend time with them. There were too many projects. Kids, school was coming to an end. You know, lots of events. And I couldn't get off the hamster wheel. And once I kind of got through that, I had to have a real serious one-on-one -on -one with myself where it was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I really need to be intentional about how many things I commit to, how much time I'm willing to give to these things. And so once things settled down, I took a week to really just let, let the uh, pieces kind of fall so I can figure out what is it that I'm going to pick up and what am I going to, that I'm just going to leave behind. Um, you know, so I, I don't, think that I'm going to be perfect about this. I'll probably get into that scenario again, but for now I'm trying it. And, um, you know, just in this last week where I really tried to rest more, I don't wake up with that gnawing feeling in the morning of like, oh, I have so much to do today, you know? So anyways, I, I don't always get it right, but I always keep trying. And every time I fall off the wagon, I get back on. And if I look at my progress over the last two years, I'm doing way better now than I did two years ago. So it's that long-term change in behavior that really matters. It's not what you do on the order of a day or a week. That is so beautiful. And frankly, so powerful to hear a medical professional speak in that terms. Like we are all works in progress. And I am very actively fine tuning all of my wellness strategies each and every day as opportunities emerge. And, you know, like you, sometimes that incremental progress is hard to see, but I try to zoom out and focus on how far I've come over the years. And it's just, you know, um, my example I decided to share today is, is two months ago, I was invited to participate in an opportunity that happened really early in the morning. Uh, normally when I'm still fast asleep. And so it, I really wanted to participate. And so I knew I had to adjust my sleep, but not in a way that would cause me to not get the restorative sleep I needed. And so my intention was just to adjust a little bit so that that one day a week I could do it. But what ended up happening 
is it actually shifted my daily schedule and I am loving it. I am getting done all of my, you know, daily dues, my exercise, my breakfast, my meds, my shower, tending to my immediate garden needs before it gets too hot. All of that before 10 a.m. And if you had asked me just a couple months ago if that was possible, I would have said no way. And what I love about it too is that that one little positive shift has now made setting time aside early, like later in the day for other wellness strategies, you know, like meditation or food prep so much easier. And I feel like I've somehow stopped time and gotten a couple more hours of, of time during the day. So it's just really exciting. And I feel like, you know, every day, every choice is a new opportunity for us. And as long as we just keep learning a little bit at a time, we're going to have positive outcomes. Absolutely. I love that. And you're harnessing the power of mornings, <laughs> which yes. are a magical time because there's like this beautiful stillness to, to that earlier morning time, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, I do want to mention here before we go on that if you are someone listening and you're really still wanting to know more about mindset, there are a lot of episodes that we've done in the past that uh, really focus on that. Um, the Mindset Matters program, personal mantras and intentions, behavioral activation, which by the way, if you're struggling with mindset, is a really quick and powerful way to disrupt old ways of thinking and being. Um, so check those out if, if that is an area that you feel you really want to explore more for yourself. Let's talk here um, a little bit more about behavior change <laughs> because behavior change can be the hardest thing. Um, think for a moment, something in your life that you tried to change, but you haven't succeeded at yet. We all have laundry lists like this and behavioral change is the biggest barrier to long-term health. And, you know, if we could find a solution for that, everyone would be a lot more healthy. And so I wanted to share just some of the um, most commonly reported barriers that people report and see if maybe some of these might be impacting your decisions. Um, people say uh, cost of resources like membership and equipment, not having enough time, not feeling motivated or having a lack of belief. There's that mindset piece. Um, access to resources like the distance or the location or the wait time. Um, not having enough knowledge or understanding of how to heal or having support or help from family or friends or practitioners. Uh, so there are a lot of barriers that people have to making these changes. And I'm curious, Dr. Susan, what would you say to someone who feels like these barriers are just impossible for them to navigate? I think it goes back to mindset because we can solve for each of these barriers. Uh, something I try to impress upon my patients is you don't have to do anything 100% perfect. You can do it 30% or 50%. As long as you're doing something, you're moving in the right direction. And my job as an integrative functional medicine provider is to partner with my patients to figure out, well, how do we problem solve this given your specific circumstances? And once you kind of deconstruct it and say, look, you don't have to go to the gym and work out an hour a day, five days a week. How about you take your kids to the park and run around and play basketball with them for 15 minutes? 
there you go. That counts as exercise, right? So I try to be creative and I like twofers where you get like two or three things out of the same activity. And I think it always also has to be affordable. I always challenge myself to come up with very affordable, accessible ways of getting people to health because let's face it, not everybody can afford, you know, gym memberships, personal trainers, etc. So, you know, if you can't get to a gym, that's okay. There are free online classes. You could do things at home um, for equipment. There's lots of things you could use around the house or even using your own body weight can actually be great exercise. Uh, so there's lots of ways around it. And I'll say one of the biggest barriers is this perception of lack of time. And, you know, for all the people that are busy working, you have kids you got to take care of. Maybe you have elderly parents you're taking care of, right? You're getting pulled in too many different directions. And then here comes your integrative doctor and says, you need to exercise every day. You know, um, you're going to be like, no, that's not going to happen. But the truth is, and there's data behind this, if you can make time for 20 minutes of exercise, your brain functions so much more efficiently that you get that 20 minutes of time back and then some. So it's actually a great investment into having a more efficient day that's more joy-filled, you feel good, you've connected with your body. So sometimes I think people just need to hear that these things exist and these are good swaps, right? Do 20 minutes of exercise, get more time back throughout the day. And it makes it, makes it feel possible. Um, and also people say, well, I don't, you know, I need a trainer, you know, think about getting physical therapy. And if you've run out of physical therapy visits, ask your doctor for more, maybe they could um, submit another referral. It's a great resource if your insurance covers physical therapy. Um, so a lot of the barriers are maybe our perceptions. And if we can be really fair and zoom out and think about, well, what are other clever ways of working small changes into my routine, um, you know, so keep it simple. Um, don't beat yourself up. And we, we see positive habit change happen when people pick simple um, changes and they do them long-term. It's really the long-term um, process that matters. Couldn't but agree more. Yeah, and one other thing I will say is, you know, not all of us are surrounded by growth mindset or health minded people. So if you can find a community or other people that are on the same path, you can start brainstorming with them. There's so many online groups, you know, you got to find one that works for you. And you might actually come across people that are just as busy as you doing the things that you hope to do, and they can help you brainstorm to get past your barriers. Absolutely. The power of community is just underrated and underutilized, frankly. And in fact, the, the data shows that for people who are trying to build more of a growth mindset, that the things that happen the most are empathy, knowledge, and support. Uh, and so we want to talk a little bit more about community and um, how that can help people. Um, one of the emerging resources are, uh, that, that's coming up is the power of vulnerability and sharing in a community of people who understand. And I think that vulnerability, that ability to open up and share your story will help in more ways than you can imagine. Um, Dr. Susan, you may not know this about me, but I actually 
don't tend to naturally be someone that would share so much of my story. And starting this podcast was a real challenge for me because of that. And the more I share about my story, the healthier I get. I'm wondering if you had have had a similar experience. Well, personally, yes. And initially when I was sort of in the closet about MS, that was really hard. And once I was ready to share it, uh, a, a big weight was lifted off of me and I was using that experience of, you know, going through the emotions of an MS diagnosis to connect with others and connect with patients and actually say, I get it. I've been there just like you. And let me tell you how things unfolded for me, because maybe that gives you an idea of how things may unfold for you. And, you know, with, with True Medicine, we have these online gathers. They're Zoom meetings. We meet every Saturday. Um, they're very structured because we want people to come with their goals, ready to work, ready to jump into action, because that's the only way um, new habits build. And when you see other people also having health at the forefront of whatever they're doing, it actually normalizes those healthy behaviors, because some of us may not be surrounded in our daily lives with people that are thinking about health. This could be our spouses, children, family members, friends, um, and you might get judged for eating a certain way or going to bed early, right? But when you come and connect with people that are health-minded just like you, all of a sudden, it gives you permission to do those health-promoting things, and it makes it feel normal. And when I, I see this all the time, um, I often have to just kind of step back in, when I'm in a group online and there's this magic that happens when peers talk to each other, right? When Dr. Susan zips her mouth and some of what comes out of people's mouths is so profound, it's so wise and it's great to hear how somebody's experience um, all of a sudden makes somebody's sort of eyes light up like, oh, I can do that, right? So it's really important to hear it from your own peers. And I get to see this magic happen every time we're in one of these gathers um, uh, during the week. So you may have your own support system, which is really important. This could be your friends and family and maybe colleagues, but hearing it from others with MS is transformative especially if those conversations are constructive, right? Um, I think sometimes, you know, people need to vent and that's perfectly fine, but we got to figure out how to reroute things towards being constructive again, because I don't think being in doom and gloom really helps. None of us feel good when we're there, right? But when we're sort of on the trajectory of change and health, um, that feels good. Could not agree more. When I approach something with a solutions orientation, I find my solution. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to say about community before we move on to another topic? You know, there's so many different ways to build your community. So don't stay isolated. There are lots of groups online. We are here with open arms. Um, Katie's got so many groups um, that she meets with regularly. And the podcast is wonderful because it's the education piece, right? If we can fill ourselves up with knowledge and figure out what works, 
so that we can focus on that and what doesn't work, then that helps. So, um, so Katie's got a lot of resources. Um, I've got True Medicine um, as the online program that Katie actually was one of the founders of. Um, so there's lots of different formats. You gotta just come and try out and see what fits, what doesn't fit, and then you figure out what you wanna pick up and move forward with. Perfect. Um, now this brings us to our next little portion here, which I think is so important because, you know, as MS patients, we learn a lot from our neurologist. Um, but I, my own personal experience, I found that once I moved beyond what my neurologist or neurologists was sharing with me, and I educated myself about different avenues of healing beyond that, that things just started moving in the right direction faster and faster and faster, and just really enhanced my ability to heal. So can you start us off talking about alternative therapies that can help? Definitely. Uh, I am a strong believer in lifestyle medicine. I've lived it as a patient. And that's what spurred me to go into integrative functional medicine to be able to do that work with patients. So how you eat, sleep, move your body and manage your stress matters. 1000%. There's no question here. And there's so much data to back it up. Um, we just have to bring lifestyle tools into MS care if we really want to have better outcomes, because these therapies work for the long term. So if you want long term improvement in your health, stick, you know, get, get familiar with lifestyle therapies and start using them. They're safe, they're often mostly free. I love everything that's free. So I, you know, try to really stick to that because I want everybody to have access. Uh, they're accessible. Um, and there's, um, the way lifestyle habits really work is that they sort of set the stage for how other things can unfold. Like for example, if you're taking medications, perhaps you'll respond better to your medications and also have less side effects if you have good firm lifestyle ha um, habits in place. Because if you can sleep better and get better quality sleep, eat good food, manage stress, avoid toxins, then your body at a cellular biochemical level can be in a more of a healing space and things will just function better. And that's a sign of health could not agree more. And then beyond those really critical foundational skills, you know, uh, acupuncture, cranial sacral therapy, neuroplasticity work, float therapy, there's all of these things that have helped me certainly on my journey. And there are podcast episodes about each of those. And so if one of them sounds intriguing to you, explore, um, you might be really pleasantly surprised new levels of health that you're able to achieve through them. Let's talk now a little bit more about the healing process, finding our new normals, pivoting, and enjoying life. Yeah, well, when I was first diagnosed, um, it really just kind of felt like a big screeching halt, um, and it turned my life upside down. I had not planned for MS to happen to me, and so it was very disorienting. It was very emotional. Uh, and it took a while for me to be able to dig myself out of that, maybe six months even, where I, you know, there was a day where I woke up and I wasn't sad the moment I opened up my eyes, right? And as soon as I was able to come up for air, 
and look around and see like, okay, what's the lay of the land? What's going on, right? I had to start thinking about what are my priorities? You know, what are the things I want in my life and what are the things I'd like to keep out? And as part of that, I had to go search for solutions uh, for my own health. And the irony is I was a physician and I didn't know what else I could do beyond medications to improve my health. And so I went searching, landed in an integrative medicine conference and learned so much and thought to myself, if I put all these things into practice, am I going to be better? Am I going to have less autoimmunity? Will I have more function? Will I have a better outcome? And somehow this belief formed in my head because I heard all the data and evidence that this is what happens when you sleep, eat good food, exercise, manage stress, etc. If you do these things, your body moves towards uh, greater balance and vitality and things function better. And so that was top priority, better taking better care of myself. And once I kind of figured that piece out early on in my, you know, continuation continuation of learning about integrative medicine, I realized that I was an MS patient with really unique skills as a physician. Because now I was a physician who had become a patient and not only did I learn in really life-changing tools that dramatically altered my own health, I knew that I had to teach this to patients. And because having lived that experience, it was not that difficult for me to translate that into conversations with patients about how you can heal your mind and your body. And so that was the beginning of my pivot where I quit, had to quit anesthesia because I had a weak left arm because of MS. And then I retrained in integrative medicine, functional medicine, all the other things. Um, so it's been really a wonderful journey. And, you know, a, a few weeks ago, somebody said something at one of our gathers that, that stuck with me. And she said, MS is an ugly present that takes a while for you to unwrap. Uh, or actually, I think it was MS is a is a gift in an ugly package. That's what it was. Um, and so, you know, if you can unravel and get to the beauty of having to live a different way, it's worth it. And we can all get there. Absolutely. So beautiful. Um, funny that you mentioned the word pivot because that is really what we are trying to do and if you're listening and thinking i can't do that well i have a resource that helped me that can maybe help you and the resource is a book actually titled pivot by jenny blake and it was given to me by a former colleague uh, who also has ms and she ended up needing to leave the school district and is now an independent contractor, does professional development worldwide. She's published multiple books and boy, she does not let MS stop her. And so having this powerful force of a woman in my life, give me this book and have me read this book and understand that, you know, a lot of the, the skills I had developed through my life and suddenly felt were over upon my disability retirement. I realized that no, I still have the ability to give back. And that's what I'm trying to do through this podcast and our work together, Dr. Susan, right? Is like, I can pivot. I can continue to be a positive influence in the world. Um, I just think that what has helped me most is small changes 
equals big shifts or a little plus frequently equals a lot. So, you know, this is possible. We just each have to arrive at that pivot moment for ourselves. Um, and finally, we're going to talk about self-compassion because this is a really hard one for us to overcome. And I don't think that those pivots can really happen until we address this. So Susan, will you share with us a little bit about self-compassion and how you view that? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, as a, a type A++ personality and someone who's very goal-oriented and a workaholic, I've really had to teach myself to chill out, right? And I always say, you know, um, getting MS actually moved me in the right direction because all of a sudden I had to stop my crazy life as an anesthesiologist. So as I continue to dial down the crazy, um, I, you know, have gotten better and not being upset with myself. The next thought that I go into when I do something unplanned that's not going to uh support my health is oh okay i wonder why i'm up at 10 o'clock doing emails right now when i should have been asleep an hour ago what do i need to do next time to not end up here so i've sort of reprogrammed my brain to rather than being upset with myself to say yeah well i'm doing my best to get things done and i'm gonna do things differently. So I try to make it constructive and help myself make better decisions um, the, the next time. And um, it just kind of feels better to forgive myself and say, okay, I'm gonna try again. And, you know, other things I've learned, some of these things I learned actually working with patients. Uh, one of the benefits of being an integrative doctor is, you know, it keeps you honest. You're, you gotta walk the talk, right? And I also would sort of err on the very extreme side of, you know, exercising too much. You know, I'd get, make myself get on that treadmill no matter what. Was If I was tired, sleep deprived, it didn't matter. I had to hit my five days a week, right? And um, now, that, now I know that if my hormones are in a fragile state because I'm stressed, I'm sleep deprived, um, I give myself a break. And I remember my, remind myself that I'm just listening to my body. I'm not being lazy. It's just not what my body wants to do today. But I don't totally let myself off the hook because there's always 10 minutes of gentle yoga that I can carve some time out for. So I make myself exercise every day, even if it's five minutes of intentional um, um, exercise, you know, just so that I get it done and I have this habit of daily movement. How about you? <laughs> I'm not going to let you off the hook. <laughs> yeah, oh, no. So likewise, very, very driven in my career, uh, workaholic for sure. So this has been uh, a hard part of the journey. And, you know, still, even though I've come so far in the last handful of years, I still do the stupidest things to myself. If I'm playing a, a mental game on Insight Timer or, you know, some of those apps, um, I'll, I'll be like, oh, I have to beat this level. I can't you know, go to bed or whatever until I meet this, beat this level. Um, or I take this many steps or I eat everything on my plate so I won't be wasteful, which is something I've had to unprogram myself from, from my childhood. Uh, and, you know, it actually took me, I had to work with an anxiety coach 
to actually get there and to actually create those healthier pathways in my brain that translated into healthier actions and more self-compassion. So if you're really struggling with this and you're not able to do it on your own, don't feel bad, just get the help. And there will be an episode coming up with my therapist from the Anxiety Center, uh, who's going to share more about that program. Um, And I cannot tell you how much it just changed my ability to be easier on myself, go with the flow, right? And don't be so hard. I can take a day off here and there. Like you, I don't take a day off of exercise, but there are some other things that I take a break from. Um, I also just really want to people to remember that MS for each of us took a long time to develop. And yeah. healing is gonna take time too. What, what do you think about that? It's, it's so true. Sometimes I have patients who come in and they, they decide to, for example, do an elimination diet and two weeks in they go, well, I'm not any better. <laughs> uh, you need to give it time. You know, these things are trial and error. And the more you can work over time to push your body back towards balance, that's what's going to get you success. But it takes time. MS takes years, if not decades to develop. So we can't expect things to shift immediately. Now, that doesn't mean with a change in diet or sleep or exercise, you can't feel better in just a week or two. For sure, you can. But um, real change takes time on the order of many months to a few years. And we each, you know, we're each on our own individual timeline. So comparing ourselves to one another is not typically terribly helpful. Um, You know, we each have our own moment when things click and we're ready to do what we need to do to heal and really honor that divine timing. For me, it was losing 100% of my vision in my right eye. That scared me so much that it just fueled my fire to get to a place of better health. But for other people, maybe you haven't had that moment yet, and that's okay. I hope you get there before you incur some major MS damage, um, because it's so much easier to maintain health than it is to crawl your way back out of that hole. But, you know, we each uh, have different timelines. And I think listening to your body's somatic messaging inside, your body knows just how you were talking about, Dr. Susan, about how our body knows how to heal. Our body knows. We just tend to override that intelligent voice um, and let the noise from all around us um, louder than that voice within. And I think as I've learned to kind of listen to that voice within, it has led me in the right direction every single time. Yep, our bodies are sending us messages all the time, but we all live up in our heads almost all the time that we ignore that there's a body attached to the mind, right? And this is why exercise is so powerful because it wakes up the body and that movement helps connect the body to the mind and you become one unified, integrated being. So I I love this idea of listening to the messages, honoring your timing. And, you know, I talk a lot about energy. I didn't think about energy much until I started training in acupuncture, but I think about energy all the time now. And when I'm trying to make a decision, I just think about, well, what, what is, what's, what's the energy pulling me? What do I feel like doing? And that's usually the right answer. Your gut feeling is usually right. So think about that. What's pulling you? Go towards that. Maybe you want to start with eating better. Maybe you don't. Maybe you want to work on sleeping a little bit earlier. It doesn't matter. Whatever you feel is the next step for you, 
is the right answer. So there's no right or wrong here. And I always talk to people about like, well, what are you curious about? Like, what do you want to learn more about? What do you feel like would be a fun little project to work on that's health related? Do that thing. Not, not everybody has to start with nutrition. For some reason, people always want to go to nutrition first. Um, and, you know, make it small and build on it over time. That's how you're going to be successful. Don't say I'm going to do 45 minutes of meditation and silence every day for the next year. I've actually tried that because I read an article that somebody did that and they grew their cortex and anyways. Um, but I think I only did it three days in a row before I was like, no, this is not going to work. So small incremental change is what we're after. Absolutely. And if you are someone like I used to be where I had a hard time hearing that inner voice, there's some really, really great tools. And I encourage you to check out the episode called Deep Listening, episode 54. Uh, there's a book by that same title that just really helped me finally get in touch with that voice um, and listen to it more than other voices. So that's an offering there if you don't know what your inner voice is saying right now. there It is there and you can open your ability to hear it. Is there anything else you want to talk about today? Yeah, um, you know, we talk a lot about just maladaptive thoughts things that don't serve us. And I think it's really important if we start becoming aware of them and think and being intentional about wanting to change them. You know, catastrophizing is very common where, you know, we might in, imagine the worst outcome of something or we just envision really awful things happening to ourselves or people that we love and that revs up your nervous system, your immune system, your hormone system. So um, getting into these thought patterns, um, too much worry, worry about the future with MS, what's going to happen? You know, these things don't help us. There are ways to reprogram that thinking. And certainly I did a lot of that when I was first diagnosed. I didn't know how to get out of that loop. And with time and support and community and people that understood MS and talking to my practitioners, I was able to come out of it and engage in more constructive thinking throughout the day. Great, thank you for that. And I, I think really what we just wanna leave people with the most is that it's going to be okay. We're gonna yeah. find a way. For sure. You know, of all the neurologists I've seen, and I've seen many neurologists um, because they all missed my initial diagnosis, but the one thing that I can think back and go, I remember what that neurologist said to me is my current neurologist who said, no matter what, you're going to be okay. I want you to just focus on living out a normal life and we'll kind of figure out all the medical stuff together. Like that was so powerful to hear that. And I think patients need to hear that, you know, no matter what, things will be okay if we do the work and put the right things in place to support ourselves. Now, I'm not saying we're all gonna cure MS, but I'm saying we can decrease our symptoms, we can have better quality of life, we can improve our mood and be able to experience more joy throughout our life. And here's something else that same wise person uh, told me, she said to make MS feel smaller, make other things bigger in your life. So I think volunteering is wonderful. Um, finding a hobby and working on that, 
um, can be really powerful. And then get focused on what works and let go of the things that don't work because you don't have time and energy for what isn't going to serve you. And, you know, resources like True Medicine are created to end your hunt for science-backed information. It's impossible to sift through everything online to make sure what you're reading is actually um, safe and effective. Uh, and, you know, we've worked with um, so many patients. We have so much clinical experience. Um, we've gotten really good at guiding people through change. And yes, you can do your own trial and error, but that just takes longer. As a physician, I did five years of trial and error, and that's with me having access to really good information. So, you know, we when we build our foundations program, we wanted to encompass all that someone would need to guide themselves through change. So we provide the education piece, we have health coaching to help with implementing those um, healthy habits, and our, our online gathers um, bring together a like-minded community so you can share what's on your mind with people that really truly understand you. And there's no question that community is key. Um, I get, you know, as I mentioned, the conversations are basically the spark for wanting to try new things. In fact, like, you know, we, we're in the middle of a 12 day MS detox right now. And one of the participants on day seven is still, uh, struggling with having given up coffee for the last seven days and she was really just ready to quit but what she heard from other participants helped her kind of get grounded and say oh okay oh it's going to get better you all had this experience too okay i think i will keep up with it you know since i've already suffered for seven days so this is how community helps lift people up and it's just beautiful to watch Absolutely. I could not agree more. And I just hope listeners are left with the understanding that both you and I are here with you as part of our shared MS community. And both of us, we welcome all outreach um, and really want to invite you, especially people who are feeling alone and struggling, link arms with us. You know, it's such an easier journey when you're walking it with someone. So find something that works for you. You know, maybe it's true medicine. Maybe it's joining the flock or coming to the Saturday socials. There are so many options out there also through the MS Society and other organizations. I really just don't want to have anyone who is still suffering in isolation. Yeah, thank you for all the work that you do, Katie. It's really profound. Well, thank you for teaching me everything I needed to know to get myself <laughs> on the right path, right? And I just love that we can continue to work together um, to honor ourselves and our community. And uh, together, everyone achieves more. Thank you so much for being here today. I always appreciate learning more from you. Thanks for having me. I hope you found our conversation helpful and that you heard a few concrete opportunities that will lead you to a place of better health. Quick reminder that if you're looking for a physician vetted resource for ways to live well with MS, truemedicineMS.com offers a variety of programs that are a great place to start. As Dr. Susan mentioned, it comes complete with coaching and a community of other people also living with MS to help support you as you implement your new habits. I'm currently participating in their 12-day MS detox program, and I am learning something new every day from either the True Medicine team 
or my fellow participants. You need not be on this journey alone. If you sign up on their website, you will be able to access a lot of free information, like Dr. Vetted safe personal care products lists, receive notifications when new courses launch, and be the first to hear about free webinars and other helpful tips to living well with MS. All from Dr. Susan, who has walked this path before us and is doing everything in her power to ensure we don't have to struggle in isolation or spend our time or energy assessing the efficacy of Dr. Google. Scholarships are available. It's important to Dr. Susan and myself that finances are not a barrier to learning and participating. We all deserve the ability to achieve better health. I hope that by listening to this episode, we all, one, remember how much mindset matters and that there are proven ways to help us shift our thinking from a fixed place of obligation to a flexible or growth place of opportunity. Two, that we commit to being in community with people who deeply understand what we're trying to accomplish as this exponentially increases our ability to accomplish our personal health goals. And three, that we continue to think about our own journey to wellness and what opportunities we each have to better harness the power of intention, education, and community along the way. Our next Misunderstood Flock meeting will be Saturday, August 6th. At the flock meeting, we'll discuss this episode and other episodes released between now and then, and we'll spend some time together celebrating recent wins and supporting one another with current hardships. If you're not yet a flock member but would like to be, please join us. We are all people living with MS that meet via Zoom monthly to support each other and continue our learning on the episode topics. You can learn more and join us by visiting www.patreon.com slash msflock. As always, I encourage all listeners to reach out with MS-related questions, comments, future podcast topics, or guest ideas via email to mymsflock at gmail.com. And lastly, remember, as we travel through life with MS, we're certain to hit some turbulence. We'll get through it, especially if we're flying together, supporting one another, and honking our encouragement. As always, thank you for listening, and until next time, be well. Yeah.